Maybe you've got to keep Friday. Some of you get paid on Friday. You might want to keep that day. But, it, but it's really nice to get in with a body of Christ that loves the Lord. And the most important thing we can do is protect our testimony and not let the enemy come and attack. And like I said, we're getting into Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday is next Sunday. That's the day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So you know the enemy is not going to be happy about that one. <laughs> and he's just going to rear his ugly head against each and every one of us. And he may use your spouse. He may use your best friend. He may use anybody to attack you. But we got God on our side. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you read the book, you know we win. Amen. I mean, we win. Amen. So this morning I want to talk about preparing for Pentecost. How do we prepare for this? In Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given the commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now Jesus chose the apostles. God chose you. You are his chosen people. Remember that. Verse 3 says, To whom he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Hear those words. Jesus was proved to be alive after his suffering. They're talking about after the cross by many infallible proofs. Not one, not two, but many. Being seen by them for 40 days and speaking of other things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit Hallelujah. not many days from now. Therefore, when they came together, they asked him, they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his authority, his own authority. But, Jesus says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So we know what we are to be. And then just the last bit of that chapter, that section, it says, Now, when he had spoken these things, they watched. And he was taken up in a cloud, received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men 
stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go up into heaven. So they're telling us how Jesus is coming back. But they're also telling us we don't know when. But there's a great thing, the before Pentecost and the after Pentecost. I mean, there's a way the Holy Spirit operated in the Old Testament when he poured out his spirit on one person. He empowered one prophet, one person. In the New Testament, he poured out his spirit on all flesh, all that were willing. So there's a totally different operation in the before and the after. Ben-Hadad, who was the king of Syria, he was threatening war, you find this in 1 Kings, against Israel and King Ahab. And he boasted of his victory over Israel. And we read it, it says, and the king of Israel replied, tell him, the one who puts on this battle gear, should not boast like the one who is taking it off. In other words, what he's saying is, here's this king, here is Ben-Hadad, boasting that he's defeated Israel before the battle was even fought. And he didn't. But it, you know contemporary advertising, the before and the after. I mean, you see those weight loss programs where they picture somebody that looks like me. And then after taking this diet program, they put a picture of somebody that looks like Chris. So before it's me, after it's her. Skin, big, heavy, skinny. So the before and the after, the difference. I mean, when I was a kid, weight loss wasn't the big thing. It was muscle building. So you would take some scrawny weakling with arms that looks like twigs and if they drink this muscle power and they lift these weights, they're going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I mean, you know, what kid isn't going to want to look like that? What teenage guy? What young man? Before, you're a skinny twig. Now you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. And after that kind of wore off, then they went into the thing of the makeover. And they'd bring this ugly duckling in, and they'd put her behind a curtain, and they'd do all this design, they'd change the wardrobe, the hair, the makeup, and all this, and they'd bring her out as a swan. Before and after. You can take the caterpillar, that crawls into a cocoon. And none of us like caterpillars. Every time you see one, you want to stomp it. But it crawls into this cocoon, and it comes out this butterfly that everybody wants to put in their hand, show off. No different in the Bible. Before the Lord spoke to Gideon, he was a little wimp. He hid out in the thrashing floors 
He didn't want contact with anyone. And God said, came to him and said, hey, you're going to be a great man of valor. Before and after. In Ephesians 2, Paul contrasts the Gentiles' unbelief. And then those who believe become saints and part of the church. So chapter 1 of the book of Acts is the before. Next week, we get the after. I mean, I'd love to get into Pentecost right now, but it's not the time. As you read these early verses, you realize that the same apostles are telling you that they witnessed Jesus, that they actually saw him, they talked to him, they saw him being crucified on a cross, they saw him go into a tomb, and then for 40 days he came and he talks with them and he teaches them and he hangs out with them and he tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait. Not the greatest thing that I have patience for. I'm not a great waiter. But other people do it well. So here's Jesus. 40 days after his resurrection, he's ascended into heaven. And there's many proofs. And Luke brings a lot of those out. And Paul brings it out in Corinthians 1. When he says in chapter 15, For I have delivered you to all which have received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephalus, then by the twelve, and after he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom greater part remain to the present, In other words, what he's saying is most of these guys are still alive when I write this, although some have fallen asleep. And then he was seen by James. And then he was seen by the apostles. And then, last of all, he was seen by me as the one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, whom I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So we have Paul's account. And then you have John's account. In chapter 16, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me of the righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment then, he says, because the ruler of the world is judged. The Holy Spirit would intentionally convict us of sin. It would conditionally and convict us. Its purpose 
is to convict us of our sin. Now, some of us don't like to confess our sins. Some of us don't believe in our sins. Some of us don't believe our life we sin. I've met one person that told me she never sinned. But only one. <laughs> so we know we all sin. We all fall short to the glory of God. Amen. And yet we have a Holy Spirit that's going to be coming. But we got to go to Jerusalem and wait. Amen. We have to wait. Amen. The empty tomb, the absence of the body, is further evidence of the Lord's resurrection. And we all in here should believe in that. So we should also believe that the Holy Spirit is coming. Amen. That he's coming. Amen. He's going to be poured out on all flesh, all that are willing to receive it. We really have no idea what Jesus taught him in those 40 days. But based on what Paul writes in Ephesians 3, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was made known to the sons of man, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. So Paul knows at this time that the Gentiles, that's us, are going to be welcomed into the family of Christ. All but one. <laughs> Acts chapter 6, verse, or Acts chapter 1, verse 6 says, the Lord, they want to know when the time is that the kingdom is going to be restored. And Jesus kind of says, you know, it's not your place. You know, I'm not going to know everything. The Holy Spirit hasn't revealed He's revealed different things to different people. Different people in this room have had been revealed different things by the Holy Spirit. We've had times in this service. Like, for instance, when the Holy Spirit told Brother Chris to bring up certain people and pray, and each pray in their own tongue. The Holy Spirit revealed that to him. He didn't reveal that to me. But he revealed it to him. So there are times when the Holy Spirit's going to reveal things Amen. to you individually. Amen. Amen. It's going to be your job to discern it. Amen. It's going to be your job to learn what you're hearing in your ears Glory. from your friends and stuff, whether it's of God or of the enemy. Amen. Because the spiritual warfare is going to get more and more intense. You can see the downgrade of this culture. This culture is becoming deplorable. In God's eyes, it's got to be wicked. I mean, totally wicked. I mean, I can see God up in heaven going, man, I should have never promised I wouldn't flood the earth. <laughs> I really shouldn't have promised that. You know, he's kind of biting on it. You know, and sometimes my judgment on, on things is just like an Old Testament guy. 
I don't have all the grace and mercy that other people do. They can take a situation and handle it with a little more grace. I go right after it. Boom, get it done. <laughs> it's just the way I am. The Holy Spirit, he says, Jesus, will come upon you shortly to empower you to carry out this task. So wait in Jerusalem to receive this power. The coming of the Holy Spirit is described as the promise of the Father. That which the apostles, apostles heard of Jesus and of which John the Baptist foretold. He foretold that. The one coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Can you imagine that day? How confused they must have been? What do you mean he's going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire? What is that? What is this? And then Jesus says, hey, go here. Go to Jerusalem and wait until the Holy Spirit comes. They don't really know what they're waiting for. I mean, they probably have an idea from some of the Old Testament scrolls of some of the things they've seen and read. They don't know what's going to happen to them. They're totally trusting Jesus. Amen. Go to the room and wait. How long do we wait? I don't know. I'm not telling you. <laughs> You just go there. It's how God weeds out his people. Go and wait. This church needs to go and wait Amen. this week. Wait in your prayer closets. Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this place next Sunday like you've never seen. Pray for the power of God to fall, that people are healed, people are delivered. Bring friends that are ill. Bring friends that are addicted. And let them just sit there and let God do the work. Amen. We're not going to do it. We don't have Amen. the authority to do it. Then, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, then he gives us all authority Amen. to do those things. We need power. We need power to proclaim the gospel. It's the only way we're going to do it so men can be saved. Most of you are too shy to walk up to a total stranger and say, hi, do you know Jesus? <laughs> but if the Holy Spirit comes upon you and says to you, go over and talk to that person Amen. about Jesus. Amen. Now you have the power. Amen. Now you have the divine authority to do that. Amen. Because God has empowered you to do it. Pentecost comes exactly 50 days after the Passover of the cross. The disciples were forbidden to leave Jerusalem. Now, you know, I take things, you know, when my mother forbid me to do things, that was just a temptation to see if I'd get away with it. <laughs> when other people forget, forbid me, don't say anything to anybody. 
You can't forbid me that way. <laughs> but when Jesus says, I forbid you to leave, that's a whole different ballgame. Amen. Amen. Because he can do anything he wants with me. Yes. He can go, oops, bye. He can do what he did to Jacob and just give me a little nudge on the hip there. So every time I walk, it's like, okay, God, I should have listened. So Jesus tells them to wait. And there's a lot of people in this church that have a very reverent fear of God. They don't fear him like they're scared of him, but they fear his reverence. They know his divinity, they know his divineness, they know his holiness, they know all these things about God and how majestic he is and how powerful he is and how creative he is and everything else that God is and all his attributes, that if he's told to wait, they'll wait because they love the Lord that much because they're that obedient to the Lord. Obedience makes all the difference. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Matthew 3.11, here's John the Baptist's words. Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who will coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This is what they're waiting for. If you know the Four Square Church, you know what that is. The Four Square Church has four cardinal truths. And one of those cardinal truths is that Jesus Christ is the baptizer with the Holy Ghost. It's the most vital, important connection in spiritual life and service of every believer. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is a secret of the church's power, the greatest of all things. It is the greatest avenue that every Christian has in its activity. It enhances the message of salvation when it's proclaimed that way, because you have power, you have understanding, God has poured this all out on you. Amen. So you go with it. Lord. Through the Holy Spirit, the disciples will receive power to communicate. Yes, this power will make the witnesses clear, the convincing, and the listeners open and receptive to the producing converts and genuine disciples. The Church of God in our Declaration of Faith says in the baptism with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost subsequent to a clean heart, you must have a clean heart in order to receive this. Amen. He said in speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance, it will be the initial evidence Amen. of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is not the only evidence. Because people get empowered. And when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit is when you can do God's work. Amen. It's like going to the gas station. Sometimes you just need to fill it up. Amen. The baptism in water is a one-time thing. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is many times. Hallelujah. 
It is different than the anointing that the worship team and other people walk under. So I believe this church needs to go into its own upper room, as I said before, and pray and ask God to pour out his spirit on all flesh here. Spend time in prayer this week. Spend as much time as you can in prayer. Praying for an outpouring. That we know hearts will be changed. Minds will be changed. Lives will be changed. Disciples will move. I mean, I'm praying. Our morning prayer, they pray. They pray faithfully. And you watch and you see how people's lives are transformed. Like I said, I want to see that caterpillar transformed into that beautiful butterfly. I want to see ashes turn to beauty. I want to see all transformed into the likeness of Christ. Romans 8, 29 says this way. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to his image. And when he might, the firstborn of many brethren, moreover he predestined these, he called them. To whom he called, he justified. To whom he justified, he glorified. God's got you. He's called you. He's justified you, and he's going to glorify you. First John says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. And the world does not know him. Them, people out they do not know him. You can see it. You can see the evil uprising in this nation. But it says we know him when he is revealed. And we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Amen. We purify ourselves to be just like Jesus. Amen. We purify ourselves to be just like him Amen. so we can be in his image. Romans 12, 2, and you're all familiar with this scripture. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God well unless your mind's renewed you're not going to have the faintest idea what the will of God is for your life how are you going to know that how are you going to know if you're living in the world and you walk around, yeah, you may know the name of Jesus, but you don't know who Jesus is. Amen. Amen. All right, you have to transform your mind. Amen. 
You have to have it reconditioned, redeveloped. You have to start thinking differently. You have to take different situations differently. You have to look at it like Jesus would look at it. Amen. You have to transform your mind into a mind of Christ. Amen. And not think like the world. How are you going to know the will of God? Unless you can communicate with him. And he does not know the world. And it breaks my heart when I think that there are people that are going to die and they're going to go to heaven. And Jesus is going to say, get away from me. I don't know you. I mean, some people in this church, some people in every single church, some churches there are more, are going to sit and go before the white throne judgment of God. Those that believe are going to go through the judgment seat of Christ. And Jesus is going to say to me, why didn't you think this on a certain day? Why didn't you say that to them? My whole life is going to be right in front of him. He's going to say, as a pastor, you made this decision. You made that decision. I have to answer for everything. But so do you. And if you end up at the white throne judgment, you're going to have to convince God you're worthy of him letting you into heaven. Otherwise, he's going to push that little lever and away you go. <laughs> Lake of fire, here I come. These things are very, very real. Oh, yeah. Don't take them so lightly. Your eternal security Depends on how you live your life here. Amen. What you believe here. How you prepare yourself here. Your rewards in heaven come from what you do here. Amen. If God didn't love each and every one of you, he wouldn't have sent his son to die for you. And he wouldn't have said, go to Jerusalem and wait. Because I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Amen. He wouldn't have said that. He would have just left you alone. He just would have left you be. But instead, he sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. God has forgiven us of our sins. He says he remembers them no more Amen. if you truly repent. Amen. I mean, I know people that, I got friends that they say they repent, you know, like they go out, oh Lord, I'll never drink again, forgive me, forgive me. And then like, two days later, they're drunk again. You know, they give lip service to God but there's other people that truly repent when, they, when they've sinned. There's a pastor I know that, believe it or not, drives crazier than I do. 
And when he cuts off cars and stuff like that, it's like, oh, Lord, forgive me. I'll try not to do it again. <laughs> but I mean, this is serious business. And this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's going to come upon you. Amen. And some of you have the gift of the baptism already. And some of you don't. And that's okay. But when the disciples were waiting, you've got to remember, 10 days it took. 10 days. They started with 500 or thereabouts, waiting in the upper room. 10 days later, when the outpouring came, there was only 120 left. We'll start with 40 people of this church or 50 people of this church praying. When we get done, we may have 15. Because some will get discouraged some of the enemy will tell, well, you don't have to do it today, skip it. And you'll believe it. Some of us will make excuses like we're too busy to pray. I got too much to do. Take the time to spend some time praying this week. Amen. Just get there and pray. Get it, get it done. It'll deepen your relationship with Jesus. But when the outpouring comes, when Pentecost hits you, because we're each gonna experience our own Pentecost. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna have a Pentecost like they had in the upper room, we can't, that was 2,000 years ago. But you can have a Pentecost of your own. Amen. And when you have that, it'll make truly all the difference in the world. Amen. We have the worship team. Let's all stand this morning. Let's take a moment while you're right there in your in your seats. Why don't you reach out in prayer? Lift up your holy hands unto the Lord. Oh, Lord, pour out your spirit on this flesh. Lord, let the power of your, of your heaven come upon me. Let me walk with you, Lord. Let me take every step I can step, every move I can make with you, God. 